eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I am joined today by a special guest, Matt Prem from Duck Territory. That is our Oregon 24-7 sports affiliate to talk about a cluster of transfers that have come over to Auburn. Um, seems like the Bo Nix transfer um, in December coming from Auburn to Oregon to play his last season. College football seems like that might have been a trade now. Bo Nix for three players to be named later. Um, Auburn picks up three guys coming over from the Ducks. Jason Jones, a defensive lineman. DJ James, a cornerback. And Robbie Ashford, a quarterback. All three of those guys are in-state players from the high, their high school days, played here in Alabama. So coming a little bit closer to home, all three of them played a couple years at Oregon and varying levels of production. But all three are pretty interesting guys for Auburn to add in the transfer portal. Auburn's only had five transfer additions so far. Um, and so the majority of them are Oregon players. So I wanted to get Matt on today um, to give us some insight on what to expect from these guys in the 2022 season and beyond. So thank you so much um, to Matt for joining us today. We'll start with the big name, um, Auburn's quarterback battle. This spring has now bounced up to five players with the addition of Robbie Ashford. He's a guy Auburn fans knew about when he was in high school because he was a standout from just a couple hours down the road um, at Hoover. First of all, how did Mario Cristobal and that staff um, reel him in being an Alabama guy? How did they get him to come all the way out to Oregon? Yeah, you know, Oregon, as you've seen with the, the additions recently for Auburn, they've, they've had a couple guys come from that state, um, from Alabama to Oregon. So I, I think that in of itself was a, a big piece for why Robbie Ashford came. He knew that there were other players from his area that were at Oregon um, ha- having some success. Uh, Oregon baseball was also heavily involved in getting him to come out there. And um, he did play in quite a few games, had multiple starts for a baseball team that made the tournament. Um, and he was he had the opportunity to play both while he was at Oregon. Um, and then just, you know, the excitement of the Joe Moorhead offense and the opportunity to uh, win the starting job going into his, his second year uh, at Oregon this year when Tyler Shuck transferred was also a, you know, a big key of keeping him last year. Um, and, and so it's, it, was a, it was a deal where there was a lot of excitement when, when he showed up to Oregon. Yeah, certainly, you know, blue trip quarterback recruit. Um, never a bad thing for any program. Um, what does he bring to the table in terms of a guy kind of projecting forward? I know he hasn't done a ton on the field, obviously still a young guy, 
Uh, but what are the best things about his skill set that you saw there a couple years at Oregon? Yeah, he didn't play in any games. Um, 2020, uh, none of the, the two freshman quarterbacks, that would be him and Jay Butterfield, saw action. It was Tyler Shuck and then Anthony Brown late in the year. And then in 2021, um, Shuck had obviously went to Texas Tech. Anthony Brown got the starting job. And he took a majority of the reps. And the few did that did go out to backups, uh, they did distribute those to, to I Thompson. And then Jay Butterfield got in in one game, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Shouldn't have been two. Uh, Robbie didn't see any playing time. He dealt with what was described as a little bit of an injury during the middle of the year, um, was on the travel roster for most of the season. Um, there was some speculation that he may have gotten into the Stanford game, um, but Joe Moorhead suffered a, a medical emergency, was in emergency surgery that the day of the game, and that kind of scrapped the plan for uh, Robbie Ashford getting into the game, and um, they just went kind of with their safe move because their offense coordinator, quarterbacks coach, wasn't being able, wasn't on the sidelines. So uh, what we saw was a very limited amount of, of Robbie Ashford. He did have a good performance in the spring game um, leading up to the 2021 season. He scored the game-winning two-point conversion in that one. Uh, he threw for about 125 yards. Uh, had a decent completion percentage, um, showed off his athleticism with avoiding tackles, which obviously also was involved in the two-point conversion that he scored. Um, really good athlete. I, th I think the fact that he played multiple positions on the baseball team, uh, center field, uh, and I believe left field, and then he also was you know, active with the quarterbacks um, and, and used, you know, the way they used him in the spring game showed at least that he is – I don't want to say he's a dual-threat quarterback, but he can beat you with his legs if he needs to, uh, and he certainly has a, a pretty strong arm as well. Was it pretty obvious, or a lot of speculation started whenever Bo Nix transferred to Oregon? Um, did it feel like Ashford or maybe one of the other quarterbacks that it was obvious one of them was going to be on the way out? Did the quarterback room just get kind of too crowded? Was that the main reasoning you would say for Ashford? Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I, I have been had been telling Duck fans since Ty Thompson arrived and Jay Butterfield and Robbie Ashford got the extra year um, and they and they for their eligibility and they were all three true freshmen in 2021. I, I had said that there was a, a very high probability that one of those three would transfer before the 2022 season. And then one of the, the remaining two would probably also transfer at some point um, in their careers. Just it's just the nature of the beast in college football these days. Like guys just don't if they're if they don't win the job, you know, they're not going to wait four years to, to get the job again. Um, they're going to try and go and find a place that they can play and as, as they should. Um, so the, the idea was the expectation from externally was, hey, there's probably one of these three guys is going to leave. Now, I was surprised um, that Robbie did transfer before spring football started um, because Dan Lanning did come out and say that, hey, it's an open competition. You know, even our quarterback, we're, we're going to evaluate everybody. But at the same time, you have to understand they probably don't bring in Bo Nix if they didn't think that he's uh, capable of, of not winning the job. 
Um, you know, so I, I think the Bo Nix addition has probably put him in a, a position, a first pull where he's the leader in the clubhouse going into spring football. And, you know, I, I don't, I haven't talked to Ra- Robbie and why he left, you know, but I would imagine he felt like, Hey, you know, I, I'm already behind the eight ball um, during different coaching staff. Yes. But he was always the fourth quarterback um, when they would travel and, or when they would warm up for games, he would always be the fourth string quarterback with, in their warmups for pregame. Um, and that, that probably was ultimately what led to him, you know, transferring now. Um, but it, it certainly wasn't a surprise that one of the three quarterbacks left. Yeah. And we'll get to Bo Nix a little later. That's an interesting situation for Oregon um, next season. And to your point, Auburn's got five quarterbacks now in their competition wouldn't be super surprising if one of those, at least one of those guys is not here um, by the time spring ball starts. Um, somebody you talked about before we started as maybe having the highest upside out of all these three is the defensive lineman Auburn picked up. That's Jason Jones, former f- top 15 recruit um, in the state of Alabama, former four-star guy. Also a guy that wasn't incredibly productive in a couple years um, for Oregon, but a guy that maybe, you know, like you said, was viewed as high, having a high upside. What did you see out of him? Um, in his time with the Ducks. Yeah, so when he signed with Oregon as part of the 2020 class, uh, he did have um, an injury from high school, and that kind of slowed down his development a little bit. And because of COVID and because the health authority here would not allow Oregon to practice, you know, they, they didn't really get any kind of offseason in the month of June, July, um, and August that I'm assuming in Alabama did, um, Arizona, the state of Arizona was able to, to practice. Uh, so the, 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 the ability to train and the ability to work out, um, the ability to get rehab, all of that stuff was pretty much scraped in the summer of 2020. And so that really slowed Jason Jones's progress from, his rehab of his injury that he suffered as a high school senior. Um, And he came into the 2020 shortened season, the pandemic, he didn't play. Um, And it was more about just getting him into shape, getting him into a position where Oregon in 2021 could have him be a focal point for this team. And when he arrived for fall camp in 2021, he looked different. He he had lost weight. He had uh, bulked up a little bit. Um, he has also found a way to, to crack a defensive rotation that's pretty loaded. Um, I, 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 I'm sure most people at Auburn don't know much of Oregon's defensive line in 2021, but across the board, they probably started guys that are going to be in the NFL here in the next year or two. Um, and so Jason Jones was at a position, too, where the two guys ahead of him um, at defensive tackle, nose tackle, uh, our NFL players, Popo Amabe was rated as the number one interior defensive lineman in the Pac-12 by Pro Football Focus. Brandon Dorless was number two. And then you add in a couple another, a couple other younger guys in Keon Ware Hudson and Christian Williams, who started games at D-tackle as well for Oregon this season. They also have the, the attention right now of the NFL. So he was in a spot that was loaded and it was hard for him to get on the, on the field for the ducks, but he did play in every single game before the bowl game and late in the year or halfway through the year, the light clicked for him. And you could see 
the potential that he had. A lot of Duck fans, honestly, were looking at him, especially when Dan Landing from Georgia was hired. They were looking at Jason Jones to be one of the guys that would have the biggest jump in development and production in Dan Landing's defensive system um, just because of his sheer size, his sheer athleticism, and what he had done uh, with the Georgia Bulldog defensive line and, and, and their players there. He was expected long-term to be at Oregon to be a guy that in 2022 would probably not start, but would push himself into the rotation, see a bunch of snaps, and then in 2023 be a starter and potentially be off to the NFL after that football season. So I think Auburn is getting a guy that you give him two years and he's probably going with proper coaching, proper development, and granted, knock on wood, he stays healthy, is going to be someone that will have NFL potential uh, in a couple of years. Yeah, and Auburn, like Oregon, you know, has has been doing a good job the past few years of producing NFL defensive linemen. So theoretically, looking down the road, he should have an opportunity when guys like a Colby Wooden, who is really good for Auburn, moves on um, to the NFL. I say he wasn't productive. I just meant he hadn't been there that long. 19 Absolutely. tackles for a, 19 tackles for a backup defensive lineman in a season, like you're saying, working behind a couple NFL guys is 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 good. And I know he's good down the stretch um, of the season. The third guy got just a couple days ago on Sunday adds to an already loaded secondary um, for Auburn next season. That's the cornerback, DJ James. Obviously, Auburn loses Roger McCreary. He'll be probably his first team All-American. He'll probably be a first round pick um, in the NFL draft. So he kind of helps to fill that gap. What is it about DJ James that stood out to you over the past couple years? Um, him now walking into a really good room in terms of that Auburn secondary where he might be able to separate himself. Yeah, DJ was someone that he showed up in 2019 and there wasn't this expectation that he would play right away. And he forced himself onto the football field in a secondary in 2019 that features just real quick off the top of my head, Javon Holland, who was a first round draft pick for the Dolphins this past season and is really good in the NFL. Brady Breeze is on the Detroit Lions. Thomas Graham is on uh, the Chicago Bears. Diamante Lenore is on the San Francisco 49ers. And then Mikhail Wright, uh, he is going to be an NFL draft pick after declaring for the draft this season. DJ James pushed himself into that secondary. I, I didn't even mention Verone McKinley, who was an All-American um, this season, and he was a starter on that 2019 team. Um, so he, he, DJ didn't start in 2019. But he played in all 13. He played in 13 of the, of the 14 games the Ducks had. Um, and he was often used in their dime situations. He was a special teams guy um, and then would rotate in when the games got out of hand. But he played in every game for a team that won the Rose Bowl. Um, and then in 2020, the expectation was because of some opt outs, his role kind of got sped up one year ahead of time. He was going to be a, another, you know, maybe the the third cornerback on the team going into the 2020 season. Um, but because of an opt-out by Thomas Graham, uh, he was forced into a bigger role, and he, and he did well. And at the end of the year, he had some really big plays, especially against USC in the Pac-12 championship game where uh, he made a couple of touchdown-saving deflections. And at the end of the year in 2020, you looked at him and said, this is a guy that's going to start her now in 2021, and the expectation will be that – He'll probably be at Oregon for one or two seasons and then go off to the NFL uh, based off of how he's performing, based off of what NFL people had toward Oregon um, and, and just how he was 
the level of, of, of production and play did not drop off when he went in for what ended up being an NFL player. Um, he did get into some legal trouble going into the 2021 season. Uh, him and a teammate uh, were cited. They were never arrested, but they were cited for shooting BB guns at people on campus. Um, he did get suspended for the first game, missed all of fall camp. Um, and then he showed up, uh, was able to, to participate in practice leading up to the opener against Fresno and then played uh, against Ohio State and then played in every game after that. Uh, his his play early on in the year was not as good as expected. And that's probably because he missed uh, time. He didn't, he didn't go through fall camp and he had to adjust on the fly and the biggest pressure situations, but he did have some big moments um, against UCLA. Uh, he had a game winning interception. That was all a game where he had two picks in that game. Um, he had a good performance uh, as well. Uh, a couple weeks later um, against Washington on defense. Um, he, he played really well in some games against Oregon state. Um, but it was a, it was a year in which he was either hot or cold. He was really good at some points in time and other times he got burned or he committed a defensive uh, penalty because he got burned and he didn't want to give up the big catch. And so I think going forward to Auburn, he's probably going to be looked at as a, a guy that could probably start a guy that, that could be one of the better corners in the sec, but as someone that's going to have to kind of reshape himself a little bit, refocus uh, and play up to expectations if he wants to do that. He's, if he plays inconsistent, he probably will will have a hard time you know, being a full-time starter. Yeah, especially with the way Auburn's recruited recently that position. Seems like they share a lot of similarities, Auburn and Oregon, talking about even just last season. Really good defensive line, hard to, hard to play in front of those guys, really good secondary over the past couple of years um, as well. Uh, thanks, Matt, for, for the insight on those guys. Wanted to close out and do a little bit of Bo Nix talk because everybody yeah. always, you know, Auburn fans certainly aren't tired of that, but I, I just, it's an interesting situation. Um, you know, I, I haven't talked about it in terms of an Oregon perspective in a while. I was I, that Twitter space a while ago stuck out to me that I jumped in with y'all um, because the, the opinions from Oregon fans like are either hot or cold. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's very, he's, and that's how he was at Auburn. He's a very polarizing player when he first committed, we'll get a little bit more into, into him versus Ty Thompson and what you think that's going to look like next season. Um, but when he first committed to Oregon, um, first of all, how, how expected was that with the decision for Kenny Dillingham to come? Um, and then second of all, what was kind of the reaction from Oregon fans? I mean, there's certainly a little bit of, of shock that Oregon went and got Bo Nix. Um, me personally, I, I think it's a great move. Um, I like it. Uh, I am in the minority, though. Um, and I think initially early on, it was a very small minority. Um, I think a lot of people were focused on Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback in 2019, who, who beat Oregon uh, in that opening game in Dallas. Um, and, and, and so many people, uh, uh, this is where I get really frustrated with the Oregon fan base is they wanted Oregon to go get a transfer, but they also didn't want any of the quarterbacks to transfer out from the team. And if they took a quarterback, they wanted him to be a superstar quarterback. And it's like, you, you, you can't get both. If, if you go out and just, let's just throw out a name, Caleb Williams. If you, if you got lucky and, and landed Caleb Williams at Oregon, all three of your freshman quarterbacks are going to be gone. They're, they're going to transfer. Um, and 
Bo Nix is probably the odds-on favorite to win the job. I think he can do a really good job. I think he will he will probably be an upgrade from a passing standpoint than what Oregon has had the last year with Anthony Brown. Um, but you also have to understand that he has his faults. He has his issues uh, that, that have popped up in three years at Auburn. And he's also a guy that probably isn't going to scare away any other quarterbacks at Oregon. Um, Jay Butterfield seems locked in. Ty Thompson has already come out and said that he's locked in. And that's exactly what you wanted when you want, if you were to go out and get a transfer quarterback, you either were all in on your freshmen that were here at Oregon, or you were going to go out and try and find a guy that would push them, probably be the starter, but not scare these guys away majority of them from, from starting. And so the expectation here at Oregon from the fan base is that Bo Nix is you're he's either not the guy that they wanted. And there's certainly some frustration at quarterback or there's a group that's getting bigger um, as time progresses away from the transfer that's on board and the understanding of why Bo Nix came and what the potential he brings and, the fact that he's probably going to be an upgrade still uh, of what they had at quarterback and a better quarterback than who they had previously. Yeah. Just from an outside perspective, um, you know, only watching a few Oregon games, it was obvious that quarterback play was some, just one factor at least um, that was holding them back. And, you know, Auburn fans will, Auburn fans will tell you that, you know, the upside for Bo Nix is very high. He had some really high highs and then obviously some really low lows. Um, but he did have a good year with Kenny Dillingham as the OC, and he had a great relationship with Kenny Dillingham in their one year um, together at Auburn. Um, last one, Matt, and then we'll let you go again. Appreciate it. Uh, just when you're looking at this moving forward with Bo Nix and Ty Thompson, who, by the way, was the highest rated non-five-star um, of his class, who's the number seven quarterback from a fringe five-star prospect, um, when do you expect that to be something that'll settle in? Obviously, you know, he's a big-time quarterback, and Oregon's glad they still have him on the roster um, with Mario Cristobal out. When do you expect him to continue, you know, develop into a point where he's a starting quarterback in the Pac-12? Do you think it's a, it's a possibility this season if things aren't going super well um, for Bo Nix? Or is it kind of or is Bo Nix kind of bridging the gap between, you know, a developed Ty Thompson, who's kind of the future at QB and, you know, the current season right now? Yeah, I, I think he's probably bridging the gap. Um, when Ty Thompson committed to Oregon. Um, we had Greg Biggins on the podcast, and he he reminded us again um, on our podcast uh, earlier during the season that Ty Thompson's rating with us here at 24-7 Sports was based on his potential to be good, not based on his immediate impact at Oregon. They felt like his best football was three or four years down the road when he when he committed to Oregon. Well, we're we're at two years. Uh, or, or approaching, you know, two years. And I, I think Bo Nix was brought in to be that bridge. Um, because when I say that he's an upgrade at Oregon from a quarterback perspective, um, you could argue this was play calling because the, the Alamo Bowl certainly showed a different side of Anthony Brown um, throwing the ball deep and, and throwing for over 300 yards. But Oregon literally just couldn't throw the football downfield in 2021 you know they did not take a lot of shots when we're talking 25 yards down the field or further um their intermediate stuff was very inconsistent um and they won they won 10 games 
um, with a quarterback that was not a dual threat quarterback that turned into one and turned into one of the best in the country. Um, and Anthony Brown, I think he was in top 10 in quarterbacks and rushing yards um, was very good. Run, was a very good runner, but they literally had uh, a very minimal downfield threat throwing the football. And that could have been coaching with Mario Cristobal uh, and the play calling um, that could have been player personnel at, at quarterback at receiver Um I don't believe it was lack of protection along the offensive line. Uh, probably was more of a combination of both. And so I think when you look at Bo Nix, it's, it's if, if can he consistently just give your receivers a, a chance to catch the football downfield? Because at Oregon, they won 10 games without that. And if, and if they can get that, their offense is going to get even better just by sheer opportunity to make plays. And so I think that's why he's coming in is – Get Ty Thompson ready, and at the same time, you have a quarterback who only wants to play one more year, even though he's got two left because of the COVID pandemic, um, and use Bo Nix to be, to be the bridge of the gap uh, of the transition to getting Ty Thompson ready and try and win another Pac-12 championship in the process with Bo Nix. Yeah, that was the biggest thing Bo talked about. With the, it was I mean, it was the only reason he decided to transfer was, look, I only want to play one more year. Um, he's engaged. He wants to go to the NFL. You know, he's ready to be done with college, but he wants to to shoot up that NFL draft stock. Just didn't feel like Auburn um, was the right place for him. There's a big faction of Auburn fans that kind of thought it was the best case for everybody. Um, he definitely looked like Auburn's most valuable player on offense last season. That offense really took a step back when he was not available um, at the end of the season with that ankle injury. So I'm sure a bunch of Auburn fans are really interested to see what Oregon does this season, especially because Bo Nix on, on Pac-12 after dark sounds like a pretty fun um, combination to me. Just be, the way he played the past few seasons seems like he he's tailor-made for that. He won't face nearly as tough of a defense week in, week out that he did in the SEC when he comes to the Pac-12. Um, the Pac-12 is historically and continues to be an offensive league. There, you know, Utah plays stout defense. Um, Oregon is also one that typically, at least under crystal ball, had played stout defense. Um, Stanford had been known to be that school, um, but they have not been good the last three or four years. And you look in just in, in the stats and you look at yards attempts and, and who Oregon you know, quarterback ratings across the country from de- you know, defenses in the in division one football, see a lot of in the top 25, see a lot of SEC defenses. You don't see a lot of Oregon, or you don't see a lot of Wash, uh, Pac-12 defenses. Washington is one that's that, that's up there in the last couple of years. They've produced some good DBs, but they're expected to take a big step back this season. So Bo Nix will, will face a much easier week-in, week-out defensive schemes and talent and players and coaches than he faced in the SEC, which could help him get those stats, get those numbers up to, to improve his chances with the NFL. Yeah, and, and Bo Nix defenders over the last few seasons will argue the offensive line. I know Oregon has, is it four out of five starters or all five starters coming back? It's, it's a weird year. They they have four of their five bowl game starters back, but they have one other guy um, who started about half the year, and he's coming back gotcha. as well. So they, they, they essentially have five guys that have started the last two years. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn fans are used to that. They've got six or seven offensive linemen coming back and only only three returning starters, quote, but everybody else has 
has some experience. Um, so just the nature of those COVID years, giving everybody an extra opportunity. So we'll see what that does for Bo Nix. We'll see how these three Oregon transfers come in to Auburn next season and produce. Thanks so much to Matt for joining us on this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. You can go check out our Oregon 24-7 site at duckterritory.com. They do a great job over there, and they're obviously excited to get rolling with a new era of Oregon football with Dan Lanning coming over as Georgia's defense coordinator, now Oregon's head coach. Thanks so much to Matt. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a five-star review. And until the next episode, we'll catch y'all later. Everybody have a great rest of the week.